This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Good afternoon to everyone, and uh, I am Richard, and I'm a real compulsive overeater. And uh, I'm from Sacramento. I want to shout out to my fellow Sacramentans who uh, came to the, uh, who shared and, and were part of this Unity Day, and it's good to be here today. It's good to be anywhere. In recovery, it's good to be anywhere. And it was a lovely trip here to the Bay Area today. The weather really cleared up, and that's a higher power thing. Um, And I have been asked to share my experience, which is basically step zero. This stuff has got to end. And step one, admitting that I'm powerless over food and my life has become unmanageable. And I've been asked to share my strength and hope, which is basically tradition one, that our common welfare should come first, that personal recovery depends upon OA unity. So when I was asked to be a part of this uh, day in OA, I, I kind of thought of two concepts. It's just my own way of looking at this. We all have our own experience, strength, and hope. But I got the idea, well, well step one, that, that's the disease. You know, step one is the problem. And unity in general and tradition one, you know, that's the solution. So I want to try and share, uh, transmit my experience, strength, and hope in terms of what the problem was for me, the disease, and the incomprehensible demoralization of the disease, and then what I view as being the solution, and the solution really being becoming of maximum use to my higher power and becoming of maximum use to other people, both my fellow sufferers in OA and to people in general. And that involves first admitting my powerlessness, which is step one. Uh, It involves the later steps, becoming honest, cleaning house, and then becoming of maximum use to others. And so I really got that, um, and those latter things all involve unity, um, especially uh, cleaning house involves cleaning up my relationships, you know, with people and program, but also in my life in general, and then becoming of maximum use. I mean, that's what unity is all about. And our tradition one is about that. And I think all the traditions in many respects are are about unity. Um, uh, Anonymity is certainly a part of unity. The only requirement for membership of our fellowship is a desire to stop eating compulsively. And Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all our uh, of all our principles, which is tradition twelve. And there's the obvious part of anonymity where we try not to, and we we don't gossip or we don't judge other people. But there's the subtler part of anonymity, really internalizing that you know, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what my income is, no matter what kind of relationships I have no matter what my health is, uh, that I'm, I'm an equal creation of my higher power, that I'm no less than anybody else, and that I'm no greater than anybody else, and <clears throat> that I have humility in just being a creation of my higher power and being part of that creation. So I, th- I really uh, think a lot of our traditions, um, all of our traditions relate to the concept of anonymity. And... Um, in terms of my experience, I came into OA uh, 
23 and a half years ago. October 7th will be uh, 24 years. I came in in October 7th, 1987. I came in stark raving abstinent. Um, I had I had lost weight. I had uh, white knuckled down to goal weight. Uh, I was doing a lot of exercise. Uh, I had isolated a lot from, from other people. I had a job that, that involved a lot of overtime and a lot, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure and responsibility, a lot of overtime. Uh, I lost all this weight. I, I lost, I, it was a pink cloud. I was exercising. I was eating. I was vegetarian at that time, eating mostly fruits and vegetables. And I had, for me, what was the second of... of I've had several nervous breakdowns, and I had the second nervous breakdown. Didn't lose my job, but basically, I began having a lot of anger, a lot of temper, uh, panic attacks, agoraphobia. Uh, uh, I would talk to my supervisors, uh, you know, telling them, "Hey, I'm contemplating suicide. If you don't let me quit working overtime, I'm going to commit suicide." There are certain places that you'd lose your job doing that. Fortunately. I had a public service job, and so, so the fact that I've remained employed for 30 years amazes me. That's one of the most amazing miracles of my higher power. But uh, uh, so I was I was having panic attacks to the point where it was hard to even go into an office to be around other people. It was hard to be around other people. Period. I had a lot of anger. I couldn't get along with other people. I was just confrontational. I was a goal weight. <laughs> I was I was running 20 miles a week. I could run six minute miles. I was eating 10 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. I was stark raving abstinent. Um, at my job, I happened to see a flyer on on the public billboard, and, and there was actually an Overeaters Anonymous meeting in the building where I worked. It was on the same floor where I worked. On Thursday at noontime, it was a noontime meeting. Uh, I had not heard of Overeaters Anonymous, but I knew it was a 12-step program, so I knew it was the same as AA. So I went to that meeting, and the, the, when I walked in, it was maybe two minutes late. They were just starting to read the steps. The first thing I heard was step one, that uh, we were powerless over food. My life had become unmanageable. And I immediately, my own reaction was I immediately related to, to the program. I thought... My gosh, that's me. That's me. Not everybody has that reaction to their first OA meeting and to the steps, but I had that reaction to it. And, um, and it was because at that time, in October 87, I knew I had all this anxiety, panic attacks, and I wanted to eat. You know, I knew it was going to be just like every other time I had lost weight. You know, I'd done all this exercise but I want to go out and buy these huge quantities of desserts. You know, I want, to, I want to relax. I want to eat. You know, I just want to get away from everything. When I heard that step one, I immediately related to it and realized, you know, this is my problem. This is the nature of my disease. Um, in my long-term history, I mean, I think I, I was born a compulsive overeater. I always overate. Most of my life before OA, I've... Uh, uh, been overweight prior to being in the in the program. I was from a, an abu a physically abusive family, especially my mother. On my dad's side were the traditional German family of German descent. You know, if we want your opinion, we'll beat it out of you. Um, 
There are a lot of other addictions in my extended family. Uh, I didn't trust other people, and I felt very uneasy with other people. Uh, in adolescence, um, I felt betrayed by my parents and family. We lived in the Bay Area till uh, I was through sixth grade, and we basically moved from the Bay Area to Rio Vista in the Delta, which was a huge switch from living in uh, Newark and Fremont to moving to a little town. And I felt very betrayed by that. So uh, I had probably my first nervous breakdown in high school, which is I became very truant, quit going to school, gained a lot of weight, became an alcoholic in high school. Uh, started, you know, I looked old for my age at that time. Uh, I could buy alcohol when I was like 16. I could go into virtually any store and just buy it. So I always knew any party that was happening in Rio Vista, I always knew because I was the the one who supplied the uh, beverages for the party. So uh, so I would just, uh, you know, drink a six-pack to two six-packs a night, do that three or four times a week, maybe go to school one or two days out of the week. Uh, I was able to pass high school. I had enough native intelligence to do that. But uh, uh, high school was probably my first period of really isolating from my life, from life, being despondent, and just not participating. Uh, <clears throat> then I went to college. Um, I'm not sure I wanted to go to college. I knew I wanted to no longer be in high school. My three choices were to either get a, get a job in Rio Vista, uh, join the military when the Vietnam War was going on, or go to college. College was definitely the lesser of the three evils. So, uh... I went to college, and uh, again, I, I was very depressed, despondent, didn't attend class. I flunked out my first semester, got a letter that, uh, uh, you know, you have a D-minus average your first semester, and uh, if your grades don't improve to at least a C, you're going you're to lose your scholarship. So then I started studying. I applied myself, uh, started doing okay. Um, my sophomore year in college, um, I did well in school. The, the first time I ever really was able to lose weight was my uh, sophomore year in college. And uh, I did that by, uh, I learned about uh, amphetamines and LSD in, uh, in college. And the way I lost weight was taking LSD three or four days a week, and I had no appetite on those days. I... If there's a graphic example of powerlessness, I think that might be it. Um, I, I took LSD two, every day for two weeks in a row in order to not have an appetite. I mean, Ozzy Osbourne has nothing on me. Uh, so, so that's basically the powerlessness of my disease. As an adult, uh, uh, as an adult, I, you know just a repeat of the same patterns, periods where I would become more functional and then periods where I would lose the functionality, basically because of fear and isolation, and fear and isolation underlie my compulsive overeating. It's fear and isolation produces depression. My feelings of depression become sensations that I want to eat. That's what my disease is. And the good news is I know that. The bad news is self-knowledge avails us nothing. Um, what's required is an antidote to that. And the antidote to that is the uh, program of uh, Overeaters Anonymous. So, um, 
Uh, I'm so grateful for the program of Overeaters Anonymous. Um, I, my history in OA, I, ha I did have, I began to get sanity as soon as I came in 1987. I began to realize through hearing those 12 steps and hearing the people's stories that, um, you know, yeah, I really want to eat, but, you know, I really have a lot of problem with anger and depression and resentment of others and fear. And I really like these steps. And I know that's not everybody's reaction, but I really like the concept that, well, maybe I can trust the universe more than what I think I can, which is steps two and three. And maybe I can look at my behavior and why I'm doing it and how I'm treating other people and maybe if I change it, I'll feel better, and that's steps four through nine. And maybe if I have more trust in the universe and try and do good by other people, maybe I can live a better life. I mean, to me, I felt that was good stuff, and I felt that that was, for me, the solution was to do those types of things. So I started working the program of Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, I had a higher power. I used all the tools. Um, did regular prayer and meditation, did a lot of service, attended a lot of meetings. Um, I need at least uh, two or three meetings a week. I need three meetings a week, but I don't know which three I need, so I often go to like five or six meetings a week to make sure I get the three I need. Um, but uh, I sponsored people, and... Uh, I did all that stuff, and I had 14 years of back-to-back -back abstinence. Um, and then I went into relapse, and more recently I had an eight-year relapse, and where I gained 110 pounds. I went from goal weight. During the 14 years, I wore the same size clothes. There were some clothes that I had for 14 years, and I could wear the same clothes you know, in 1990, in, in 2001 is what I wore in 1987, which was incredible. I mean, that was incredible. Uh, I lost my abstinence and went into an eight-year relapse of 2001 to 2008. For me, it was all, and I've heard it in some of the stories here, it was all about um, family members dying. My entire family of origin passed away. I mean, I'm from a a 1950s family. My parents never divorced. I had parents, and there were 2.3 of us kids. Uh, there was me and my sister. There were two of us. My, they all passed away between 2001 and 2008. Um, and my father's last two uh, aunts and uncles passed away. So I lost my whole family, and I found that I just was not able to maintain my abstinence. And I had laxed up on my program. I had quit... Uh, I had quit... Uh, uh, I had quit working my steps, and uh, I had isolated from friends. So the good news was, beginning November 2008, um, I started quit eating no matter what, and uh, I also started working with a sponsor again, and I started acting as if that I need to start treating people nicely again. I need to start connecting to other people I need to start doing all those things that I did in my first eight years of recovery, which is basically to, uh, uh, you know, do, in, do an inventory, share it with a sponsor, make amends, uh, be of maximum use to other people, and stay out of the food. So, um, so that's what I did. And, um,
And so my experience is the way to recovery is to do what is, what is uncomfortable. And basically when I feel hunger, it means that I'm connecting with my feelings. And I need to connect with my feelings in order to recover. The next thing is this program is about the food. My footwork does include adhering to a food plan. My program must include the willingness to experience that dreaded hunger and to feel the feelings. The next thing is, and it's unity, this program is not about the food. This program is about doing all the footwork on a day-to-day -day basis. This footwork is about connecting with other people and connecting with my feelings. And it's going to meetings, praying, doing service, working the steps with a, with a sponsor, and being of use in the world at large. And it's coming to accept myself and other people. And recovery is about connecting to other people. It's being about being part of a greater whole. It's being willing to be of service and be responsible in the relationships that I am, I'm in. And even to this day, as I now have two years and three months of abstinence again, this still usually does not feel comfortable or convenient. Um, I just finished working my seventh step uh, last week with my sponsor. Uh, just finished the seventh step. And basically I ended up with ten major defects. They're generic, you know, the usual lust, pride, greed, envy, the stuff that we all have. But what I'm going to do now is I'm going to apply each of those defects to the 150 people, places, and things on my fourth step. I'm going to make a list, an eighth step list. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to share that list with my sponsor and uh, determine, you know, what types of amends, what types of changes I need to make. And... Uh, and I know by taking those spiritual and emotional actions and of writing, you know, of making things right that have not been right and of right-sizing myself that I will have recovery. And it's basically through doing what I should be doing with other people, being of use to other people, and even before that, just getting honest, getting honest about myself, getting honest about my fear, getting honest about what I'm doing, and being of use to others, quit judging others, and finding what I can pack into the stream of life and how I can be of maximum use to other people. And that's what working those steps is all about. And, and that's what our traditions are, are all about. You know, we're all equal in here. Uh, the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop eating compulsively. Our common welfare comes first. Uh, our program is based upon anonymity. And... Um, so that's pretty much my experience, and uh, I'm just glad to be here today, and thank you so much for coming.